Kia ora, ko Anne O'Brien toku ingoa, he kaiorongi o waituhi o tamaki, no mai, haru mai. I'm Anne O'Brien, Director of the Auckland Writers Festival Waituhi o Tamaki, and you're listening to a session podcast from our 2021 event. Kaituhi, Michelle Rahu Rahu, argues that story sovereignty, especially for Māori, cannot be maintained by outsider perspectives which use historical rhetoric to solidify harmful stereotypes about Māori lives in the minds of everyday readers. She puts her case. We hope you enjoy it. Inga mana, inga reo, inga iwi, tēnā koutou. No mai, hare mai, piki mai. Kia koutou te iwi o Ngāti Whātua, kei te mihi, kei te mihi, kei te mihi. Koutou kua hui hui mai nei, ka nui taku mihi, kia koutou. Ko Christine O'Brien, toku ingoa, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. My name's Christine O'Brien and it's my absolute pleasure to welcome you to Speaker's Corner for 2021 into this first session, Story Sovereignty. I do hope that everybody has scanned in. If you haven't scanned in, please make a note, scan in on your way out or make a note somehow that you've been here. Please feel comfortable wearing a face mask if you're not feeling terribly well um, and if you should become increasingly unwell, feel free to leave. Some general housekeeping. In case of emergency, please follow the instructions of the front of house staff. They will uh, know how to get you out of the area safely. The toilets, if you need them, are just out this door and then around to the left and down the stairs. Please double check that phones are on silent. The festival is absolutely delighted if you want to share your wonderful experiences here by uh, text or photo or social media, whatever it might be, but please be considerate of your neighbours while you're doing that. Now, for those of you who haven't attended one of these before, Speaker's Corner must run strictly to time. We've got four sessions this morning and there's a very quick changeover between uh, writers. The format is that there will be a 20 to 25 minute provocation around a particular idea, and then the floor will be open for 10 minutes only for challenge and questions from you, the audience. Please line up at the mic over here when it's question time, and I invite you to, to, to uh, line up around the back of the pillar because that will avoid, um, for health and safety reasons, tangling yourselves in that enormous speaker over there. If we run out of time, you're very welcome to join our speaker, Michelle, outside at the author's table. So that gives me very great pleasure to very quickly introduce our first speaker for 2021, Michelle Rahurahu. Michelle is Ngāti Rahu Rahu, Ngāti Tahu, Ngāti Waho, and she is the co-editor of Turito Te Harakeke, an anthology of Māori voices for Ihumatao, and her work has also appeared in Turbine, Pantagrove Punch and Oronui. She has a Master's in Creative Writing from IIML, where she won the Modern Letters Fiction Prize, and she has been shortlisted, uh, she was shortlisted for the Michael Gifkins Prize for her novel manuscript, Pōhara. Story sovereignty is a conversation of and for our times. Across art forms and beyond into the wider community, the question of who can or should tell what stories and what responsibilities such storytellers carry is a question much interrogated and not always easily answered. In fact, I would say never easily answered. Michelle now shares her take, arguing that story sovereignty, especially for Māori, 
cannot be maintained by outsider perspectives which use historical rhetoric to solidify harmful stereotypes about Māori lives in the minds of everyday readers. Story sovereignty, she contends, must lie in the hands of the communities they depict. Please welcome Michelle. Dun, 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 dun. My partner was uh, joking this morning that uh, you should have like theme music when you come in. <laughs> that would be mine. Can't see me, my time is now. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I need to mihi um, to lots of people to be here uh, for, sorry, for, for my position here to speak today. Um, first of all, that is Ruby Solly, who behind the scenes just um, yeah, advocated for me to be here to speak or for someone to speak today about story sovereignty. Um, I also need to mihi to all the Māori writers that have forged a path for me as an emerging writer. Um, I just wouldn't be here without you, so thank you so much. Uh, I also need to mihi to all the administrators and the programmers and all, all those Māori people in the, in the, I guess, behind the scenes pushing for this change because we're working all the time and it's very rarely ever seen. Um, so, uh, kia ora. <laughs> Some of you know that it was a particular story that brought me here today, um, a particular story and a particular storyteller that was, I suppose, the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, the story was told by a Canadian migrant that painted my people, Tangata Whenua o te Rotorua Nui Akahu Mata Momoi, as criminals. But this story does not stand alone in our literary history. There are many stories within um, the... There are many stories written by outsiders, Pākehā, full of holes that manufacture the events, the motivations, the gap between what they see and what is real. These stories of Māori as tutors to Pākehā, Pākehā with their hands stretched out, oh sorry, Māori with their hands stretched out to Pākehā. Māori as lost followers of Pākehā. Māori as sidekicks to Pākehā. I get a shiver down my spine whenever I see Māori represented on the page by non-Māori. It's like looking at taxidermy, uh, because behind all of the Māori-ness, the Māori names, the Māori features, there's no life behind it. There's no Māori. And where does that come from? Why are outsiders so emboldened to write about Māori? I argue that it is all in the whakapapa. In the late 1800s, the prevailing Pākehā Victorian view was that Māori were a dying race, one Isaac Featherston even speculated that the European settlement should smooth down the dying pillow of Māori. The rhetoric was that Māori were a culture of deficit, that despite the wonders of colonial presence, their own lack led to their dying out. Alfred Kingham New Newman, a physician and businessman, flipped between recognising important, imported diseases as a major impact to Māori death, then later minimising the impact to a small factor, inciting the real impact of looming extinction was social uh, Darwinism, that despite the introduction of superior nutrition and medicine, those silly Māori, they just had to come to the end of their natural cycle. As for Featherson's uh, comments on smoothing down the pillow, it stands that Pākehā society did not remorse Māori extinction. And why would they? 
when academics, physicians, businessmen and politicians were constructing a story around these people who were apparently choosing their own demise in the face of a kindly white nurse suspiciously holding a pillow behind her back. At the same time uh, these, that Māori numbers were declining, there were collectors of all things Māori. I think of Horatio Robley, a collector of dismembered Māori heads and painter of famed images from the Battle of Pukehinehine. I imagine him standing there in the quiet field, shading the limp body of the fallen Noranginui bodies as British soldiers stand tall on the raided trenches. I think about that a lot. The colonial, colonial story there is that Pākehā tried to save Māori from their own savagery, but then, interestingly, they looted the pockets of the bodies. All the glittering treasures remained. It's through these depictions, the colonial story, that you see the whakapapa of abstraction, the abstraction of the qualities of Māori away from Māori people. Today, hundreds of years later, for Māori, it seems we spend most of our time trying to claim back the things that were stolen from us, and by extension, claim some of the respect back onto Māori as a community. Some Ma uh, because Māoriness is seen as a quality of something rather than the name of a people, something that cannot align with the rhetoric of the people, which are continually subjected to systematic abuse. And those uh, valuable pieces of Māori culture, they don't mesh well with that rhetoric. I often think of a tweet by Poppy Mokorahi that reads, the larger the toki ponamu a Pākehā activist wears for everyday use, the more racist they actually are. <laughs> <laughs> Deeply bigoted individuals have been known to cart theirs in a wheelbarrow. I don't make the rules, I just observe them. <laughs> I would add that Nāti Pākehā, Nāti Pākehā is becoming the new heimato because I see it on many Twitter bios dangling like a pendant on the neck of their online presence. The fact is, thievery, appropriation, is woven deeply into the history of Pākehā interaction with Māori. And as a society, as, as diverse as it is now, came out of that history believing that the quality of Māori belongs to New Zealand as a whole, it's Kiwiana, good hard-working Kiwis wear these symbols with pride. And then our art, our concepts, are littered everywhere on our defence force, our police stations, our airlines, wine bottles, bracelets, rugby jerseys. Meanwhile, Māori people are targeted, incarcerated, overrepresenting our prisons over 50%. Māori people are under-prescribed medication and die at higher rates. They are targeted and used in political conversations in government and in the news. And the, and the rhetoric of that abstraction only intensifies when Māori are written on the page as the victims of a big, nameless void. If you were to watch Vegas or read Inside the Black Horse, you might walk away believing that Māori are imprisoned because of their inability to connect to that quality of Māoriness or their inherent inability to make the right decisions. That's what makes that quality of Māoriness is valuable in Western eyes and so far away from what Māori people are characterised today. Many times I've found myself criticising a racist portrayal through theatre or through writing and often the, the, the defence is, oh, I come from Ōtara, I was born in Ngotaha, as if 
the known Māoriness of that place name imbues the speaker with the promise of its Māoriness. The promise that the speaker knows Māori because they've seen Māori, because they've lived near Māori. Again, the relationship between Māori people and the qualities of Māori are pulled out, separated. I was warned when writing about my own hometown, Rotorua, and my experiences of poverty that my readership would be mostly Pākehā, or all Pākehā, at the start. And it changed the way I wrote. I found myself thinking about what publishers, editors, readers, Pākehā would think. Would they accept my story? Would they understand my truth? I started having conversations about what I wanted Māori to see and what I should shield from their eyes. Because I know histories of poverty and trauma are popular and well accepted by Pākehā and largely ta tagged as real, as if the reality is clean and easy to attain. The reality of Māori incarceration rate is that it is disproportionately high. You could take those statistics and translate that as an indication that Māori are naturally uh, criminal. I took two stories of a current public issue around emergency housing in Rotorua. One that expressed how over 500 people backed or packed into a city meeting, railing against the dumping of homeless in the city, which was endorsed by the mayor of the city, stating that violence is at an all-time high as a result. However, there was another story <coughs> where a police officer in Rotorua confirms that the crime and violence was not rising and contributed um, to this the perception of that rise was because there was an increase of brown bodies in the streets. I could write a story about violence, crime and emergency housing. I could write about these people taking over the city and I would find 500 people that would endorse that story, claiming how it felt like a true representation of New Zealand. I have had many conversations, digital wānanga, wānanga kānohi ki te kānohi, with the community that holds me accountable, that I rely on to expand my singular experience and perspective, and the ideas are multi-layered multi about the role of Pākehā in our world and in our writing. It is my opinion that tino ranga tiratanga is required to even have those conversations. Until we have control over our lives and political systems, educational systems, justice, health, then I don't even want to give one inch. There is no equality in a society that doesn't protect your whanau. There is no relationship when one side holds the power. I cannot have a conversation about equality with my master. And while I'm waiting for tino ranga tiratanga, uh, I see my role as kaituhi Māori I see that as my job is to subvert narratives. I want to write things that are true. I want to write things that are full of edges that can cut through the thicket of our country. But if I am to hold a patu, I need to make sure that the sharp end is pointed outwards, not inwards. I want to be true, but I want to keep a strong hand on the hilt of my weapon. My decree is for Pākehā to take responsibility in storytelling, consider our history and the many flaws within our identity as a bicultural nation. You cannot tell Māori stories when all you know is aesthetic. 
You have no right to invade the Māori mind just to prop us up and stuff Māori mouths with Pākehā words. Every addition to the collective imagination through literature reinforces what we can be, what we are. So let Māori writers take the space. Let us invent without the collar of Pākehā perception. Let Māori exist in a literary space that is informed by the source of Māori tanga from within them as living descendants. This corridor is not only to embolden the Māori storytellers that exist and work today, but also for the Māori storytellers that are yet to reveal themselves to the public, who regale their family, who make their friends laugh. It's about the tangata who use stories to reimagine themselves and the world. Story sovereignty is about the past, the present, the future. Modi order. Thank you so much. Um, now invite uh, questions from the audience. Just ask that you don't make very large kind of statements or manifestos, but have questions or a short exchange with Michelle. Very welcome to come up and just queue up here behind the mic and behind the pillar for say, health and safety reasons. Go, go. <laughs> Um, oh, kia ora Michelle, thanks for your kāro, that was really amazing. Um, so I, I did hear your point. Um, so my question is, because I've been thinking about this a lot, what do you do when our Māori stories intersect with the stories of others um, in respecting their story sovereignty? So I've been telling a story about Māori in Australia that intersects with Indigenous people there, and I've, I think I've reached a point with it, but I want to hear your thoughts, because mm. I think that's where it gets really tricky. So Yeah, yeah I think... I think when you're regarding um, other cultures or other communities, um, I, I, I suppose the best practice, I think, is that you acknowledge the gaps. Um, when I talked about... I, I, I think when I see Māori represented by people that aren't Māori, there is a lot of... Um, yeah, filling in the gaps between what you see, what you perceive and, and what you know. So... Um, yeah, I think when you're writing about other people, you need to be honest about what you know, actually concretely know about those people. Um, there are going to be gaps, and if you don't acknowledge that, then it, it reads as something, um, as, you're, as if you're talking um, from a point of authority. So, yeah, that's my short answer. Kia ora. Kia ora. Kia ora. Um, just want to mehi to you. Um, it's really, I learnt a lot. I talk to you all the time and I learned a lot from this. Yeah, it's insane. So it's good. We're mates. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's something that struck me in what you were saying. Um, it, re it relates back to something I read from Linda Tuawai-Smith. Oh, I'm talking I love about um, how the smallest social unit for Māori is whānau. Mm. Um, yeah, and I was just wondering if you could talk about how that intersects with um, uh, story sovereignty a little bit more. Maybe. Kia ora. Um, yeah, that's that's a really interesting one. I, I like I see myself when when I took this um, opportunity to speak. Uh, it didn't feel like I was well. You know, I have a, a singular perspective that I've presented, but it didn't feel right to um, come up without a larger conversation um, with other people. And so that unit, that Fano unit that I've constructed, was a, a digital kind of unit. Um, yeah, I, I think anywhere you go, you carry. For Māori, at least, you carry a lot of people. Um, so it doesn't feel right not to 
um, bring that unit into whatever you do? I don't know if that answers the question, but kia ora. <laughs> Um, just one thing, in the green room we were talking uh, about this and I wondered if you wanted to talk a little bit further. Um, does it matter how well the stories are told? I guess mm. um, we were wondering whether there's a risk that the more accomplished the writer, the more the representation will be perceived as truth and will enter into the reader's reality. Yeah, I think there, there should be a level... Um, kind of slate, I suppose, of criticism for, for anyone that writes. But I, I, I often see this this um, this quoted off, oh, you know, like, it was written so well, the dialogue felt so real, the the, the people felt so real. Um, you're, when you write something, when you write a lie well, um, you're only, you know, successfully manipulating people. <laughs> I think... The, the conversation of whether it was written well or, or not um, needs to be completely pulled out of that because, um, yeah, with, with the bounds of fiction, you can construct whatever you want and you can put words in anyone's mouth. You can create an environment in which that endorses your own perspective. So it, I, don't, I don't think it matters at all if it's written well or if it's written from someone that, that holds a, um, a you know, position of notoriety. That only, that only makes the manipulation worse, I think, because people rely on that level of notoriety, of that esteem. Um, yeah, kia ora. Uh, kia ora, Michelle. Kia ora. I, I don't know who you are. And I'm just wondering <laughs> if I'm in the right place, because um, I'm a grassroots Māori. I'm a farmer. Mm. I, um, I, 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 I don't... What I want to know, I heard you say um, ōtara, uh, I come from a place in Hastings mm. called Mangateretere, where we grew kumara mostly. But my husband dwelt in Ōtara mm. when I met him. And when I met him, I'd never heard of Ōtara. This is some 53 years ago, and we're still together. But he comes from Ngāpuhi. Mm. So, um, uh, I don't know. I, I just find joy in life. And... Um, you know, I have Pākehā ancestry and Māori ancestry, but um, I, uh, I, I just, just joy. Life is just a joy for me. Mm. I write, nothing published. I write poetry. I um, belong to writing, a writing group at home. And um, I write about family, and I get joy out of what they do mm. and how they do it. Um, yeah, I'm just a little bit... Uh, you know, it's been a I, first time I've been to one of these uh, these uh, writing things, but I came because of Hennemore, because mm. I had heard of her, her, and uh, I wanted to see and meet her, and I've done that, and um, so I'm just here by accident, because um, I see people lining up. Oh, what's going on here? And I had to oh, check my, my uh, program, <laughs> but I I've, uh, I know of of you and, and Fitty. I want to see him, but the tickets are all sold out. So how am I going to worm my way into that? Um, but we anyway, can sneak you in. My question surely. is, um, just in our newspaper, uh, just a couple of days ago, a young girl run a, uh, won a speech competition. It was called Ban the Box. And it was about uh, when you fill out forms, are you Maori or Pākehā? And her decision was, if I tick Pākehā, 
What about my Maori? Kaora, kia ora. Tik Maori. What about my Pakeha? Uh, so that's where I'm at. I, I am. Um, you know, it's been a very interesting process coming in to listen to and hear a lot about Maori and their writing. And um, but what I write is, I can't write conflict. So um, you know, it's always positive stuff. But uh, I run a community garden, and um, I just received a QSM for services to Māori and sustainable farming uh, just on the 7th of May. Awesome. But it won't fit on my jacket. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, I just, um, I, I, I'm not grounded in racism, if you know what I mean. Mm. So I, I'm just finding it difficult to know where you're coming from. Thank you. Kia ora. I, I, yeah, I totally respect that. I think, um, yeah, what, what I'm trying to convey is, um, or what I'm trying to do is protect the space in which Māori um, writers, and, you know, your whakapapa is, is a, a huge part of you. I also have Scottish whakapapa. Um, so, yeah, I understand that um, complexity there, trying to manage those two identities, especially when when you're in a country where, you know, maybe one side of your ancestry was the colonisers and one side of your ancestry was the colonised. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's trying. I'm trying to build a space in which Māori people, regardless of the other parts of your whakapapa, can speak to those issues without interference from someone outside of that community that wouldn't understand those conflicts or those or those experiences of joy, like you say. Like you say, you love to write joyously, and that's beautiful. Um, there should be a space for that writing, and it's very difficult to manage that space when there are other people speculating on on what that experience is and trying to write that for you. Um, so kia ora, I'm going to leave it there. Kia ora. Um, my question is, um, within our community as Māori writers, we're always held accountable because we do have community, we have whānau, we kind of, you know, we have cousins, we have aunties, we have kuia who've just left to go off to their event. <laughs> and so many people that will hold us accountable if we do something that is going to damage how people may look at us. And we can choose to react to that how we like. But there's so many things within that community that enable us to do that and enable us to be sustained by that without just constantly feeling like we're waiting to do something wrong. Mm. What do you think are some of the things in that kind of, to really pack it down into a quick question, in that toolkit that maybe the wider writing community or the Pākehā and Tawiwi writing community could look at instilling into their community mm. that would help them to make sure that things that, that there's a safeguard there like there is for us. Kia ora, that's a really good partai. Um Yeah, I uh, I don't know because my, my safeguard, like you say, is as I constantly I'm constantly thinking about this unit in which I'm operating in. Um, it's not that I'm looking for validation from anyone. Um, it's that I put it out and then my community, you know, will wrestle with it and then my perspective will be clarified from any anything that comes out of that corridor. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess that, that, that you'd have to build a community that is willing to criticise and has the, has the opportunity to criticise you and, and, and cares about you enough to protect you. I mean, if, if I was in a Pākehā kind of commu writer's community in that way, I would want 
um, the people around me to say, you know, that is completely out of line, get rid of that, or, or you're writing in a space that is completely not, um, you don't have any authority to. Um, yeah, so I, I think that has to be a conversation, and, and also like acknowledging the whakapapa of that history, because as Māori, we're constantly looking back, and we're constantly um, building our perspectives from the, from the knowledge we can find in our history. Um, for Pākehā, it's the same, you have to construct you have to discover your own identity as as well as um, building yeah building a group of people that can say nope <laughs> or yes or mm. yeah and obviously um, whenever you're talking about something that might influence a different community you have you have a full responsibility to talk to that community in, in a way that um, honors them properly not saying you can write about money just <laughs> just clarify Kia ora, I think I'm just rambling on now. <laughs> Uh, tēnā koe. Thanks for your kōrero. Tēnā koe. Um, <clears throat> so I, you know, I'm Māori and I work in a space where I'm gaining some kind of notoriety, you mm. know, like profile getting bigger and bigger. Mm. And um, I'm thinking about, like I find myself thinking about um, how I make space for other Māori, right? Mm. And also about how, um, because, you know, I work, I work with an iwi organisation but I'm not in that iwi organization. And in terms of like whakapapa slash upbringing, I'm a bit of a lone wolf, you know? Mm. Like I'm kind of just like, we're sort of a little bit orphaned, you know? Not really orphaned, but just a little bit. You know? oh, so it that. gives me quite a wide berth that I can go, you know? And I've sort of, in my engagement with Tao Māori, it's been like, ah, uh, I just, just, you know, it's been kind of at my leisure mm. a little bit. And that's been fine, but, you know, um, like I'm finding... Working with Māori, you know, it takes a lot. Of, well, it takes a lot out of me because they're they're working on such a higher level. You know, like they've like they've got all of their complicated politics between different groups that they're bearing in mind, and there's a certain element of me having to humble myself mm. and then like um, allow myself to kind of be brought in to the group. You know, so that um, so that they can manage those relationships responsibly using their tikanga mm. and their expertise. Mm. Right. So I'm curious about whether as a writer, whether you've come across this kind of thing, like have you, you know, how do you find making space for other Māori? You know, like what about other Māori who maybe come from a more kaupapa-driven background, but mm. they don't, um, you know, and like what, like, I don't know, do you have any whakaro about that dynamic or whatever? Like in terms of your own work, do you normally work on your own or do you work with, you know, like how, how integrated are you? Know? Yeah, I, oh, I, don't, I don't know if I can speak fully to how... I, you know, it'd be probably better to get someone else's opinion on whether I'm fully integrated. Yeah, but, <laughs> but right. exactly. I'll, I mean, I would say the same thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to dictate that. But um, yeah. yeah, I do have, I, I have a really strong, small group of, of Māori writer friends who are really fantastic and successful. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of the, the tainer in that group, I think. I'm kind of, you know, learning from them. Um, <laughs> so that's them. Uh, uh, yeah, so I try to integrate myself as much as possible from and and from me it's a perspective of learning from them yeah. because they've got all this amazing fakaro and all this um, of all this experience. So um, yeah, anytime I'm trying to 
trying to engage with them, it's, it's really a learning experience for me. But, um, and I take that to any other experience I might have with someone else. I mean, you know, I'm on social media or, or other things and I see young Māori writers that approach me and um, I, this is, I think this is kind of like a strong Māori experience, especially as wahine. When you see that, when, when someone comes to you, it's, it's all on, you know, there's, there's full investment in, in those people that reach out. Um, I can't offer very much, but if what I can offer, I, I'm fully engaged, and that's a lot of work, but that's something that um, is very important to me. I need to make sure that those young writers that are struggling, that might or don't know what what they're going to write about or, or what space they have to pull them up yeah. with me. Yeah. yeah, a related thing is that because you have a well, because I have a bigger profile, you grow mm. faster. And yes. when you when you interact with those people, you learn a lot, and yeah. suddenly you become a place where you can speak out those things. But you might not be the appropriate person, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Tr true. But yeah, yeah oh, there is... uh, this is I'm talking about myself. I'm not. Oh yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can criticize me. I don't mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's why I'm yeah, here. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. There is there is a um, yeah. Again, that unit is important. You um, there there is no max on how mm. big that group can be mm. it can be enormous it, it, I want it to be enormous I want it to expand beyond belief so that's yeah that's the kopapa at the end of the day is bring everyone with you I'm just yammering on eh uh, kia ora Michelle kia ora thank you for your talk I'm conscious we're almost out of time so I'll keep mine very short but as a Pakaha that works in publishing mm. and wants to be an ally and create more space. Sure, can you hear me better now? Yeah. Cool. As a Pākehā in publishing and who wants to be a better ally mm. and create more space for Māori voices, what advice can you give to us publishers that are looking to do that? Ooh. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, we. Uh, employ Māori people! <laughs> See, this is my group. This is... They got me. Yeah, employ Māori people. It's just, it's kind of, yeah. Um, you, you can't, it, it doesn't matter how much cultural training you do. It doesn't matter how many conversations you have. Um, the perspective is always going to be different. There is a difference. Um, yeah, if you want to expand um, Māori involvement or, or Māori presence somewhere, you need to bring Māori people. <laughs> Again, that's what I say with the abstraction of qualities. You, people think you can you know, push um, a, a concept that is Māori into something and that will cure, you know, the racism that happens or, or it, it won't. Um, the inherent quality of, of Māori tanga is and within, within people, Māori people. Um, yeah, so employ them. <laughs> Kia ora. Actually, we probably do have time for one more if anyone's burning the question. No? All right. Um, feel free to join Michelle out at the author's table afterwards if you want to have a rather longer chat about any of the issues in, that she's covered. But in the meantime, please join me in thanking this very, very, very brave wahine, Michelle Rahura. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Tēnā You've been listening to a podcast from the 2021 Auckland Writers' Festival Waituhi or Tāmaki. You can find a range of other festival talks, interviews and discussions on iTunes, SoundCloud and on our website, writersfestival.co.nz.